Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4022 of The Bugle, the 21st century news recording show that could so easily have been lost forever on a load of papyrus scrolls if it had existed just a couple of short millennia ago. Shows what a fragile universe this is. With me, Andy Zaltzman, aged 42, the 46-time winner of Liar of the Year Award from International Self-Aggrandizement Monthly Magazine. (laughs) This is for the week beginning Monday the 27th of March 2017, and I'm here in London. And joining me here in London, it is the king himself, Elvis Presley. Sorry, wrong intro. <laughs> oh, he's coming on. He's coming on my new podcast, Fake It and Shake It, in which celebrities who fake their own deaths tell me about their favourite ingredients for a milkshake: a queen mother, gooseberry and tomato ketchup. Who'd have thought it? Uh, no, I need to find the right intro. Hang on. Uh, it's not Fake It and Shake It. It's not the all-new Extreme Macrame show. It's not <laughs> Shut Up and Plant. That's my pod about the new silent gardening craze. Uh, it's not. Journeys into space, real stories of people legally parking their cars. Uh, Oh, the bugle, the bugle. And joining me here this week in London, it's the man who puts the laughter into I bloody hope he makes us laugh today. (laughs) It's Miss Kumar. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Hello. How, how, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, starting the introduction by suggesting that I was going to be Elvis and then revealing it was, in fact, me is possibly one of the worst cases of unnecessarily high expectation I've had since I had to replace Miranda Hart at a charity gig. <laughs> Very disappointing for a lot of that audience. Very disappointing indeed. Well, you could, well, how's your midwifery these days? <laughs> It's not what it used to be, Andy. <laughs> well, you know, midwifery is you've got to keep your hand in. Well, that's why I quit after one. <laughs> Played one, 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 out of the game. Get out of the top. You're, um, an absolute, you're a one-hit wonder <laughs> of midwifery. You're the Babylon Zoo of midwifery. <laughs> this is the beautiful for the week beginning uh, the 27th of March. On this day in 1871 was the first ever international rugby match. Scotland versus England in Edinburgh. Uh, at the time, it was thought to be just a standard afternoon fight, but it later turned out to have been a rugby match. Uh, and on the 26th of March, 1484, William Caxton, the printing press pinup, uh, printed his translation of Aesop's Fables. Are you an Aesop fan, Nish? Huge Aesop fan, mate. Right. Absolutely huge. Love a fable. Yep. Well, uh, more than 650 fables by the uh, ancient Greek 35-time analogist of the year. And uh, in Caxton's uh, first uh, English edition included lesser-known fables, such as the worm and the lawnmower, the moral of that story being stay underground at all costs, the fist in the face, moral, careful what you say and who you say it to, uh, the tortoise and the hare part two, the sequel, the moral of which is quit while you're ahead, and the serpent and the sausage, the moral of which is don't make yourself a nighttime snack without adequate lighting. <laughs> As always, a section of the bugle is going straight in the bin this week. A Southern Hemisphere special section. Yes, yeah, f- you. In the bin. Exclusive look at one of the world's greatest ever hemisphere. That, oh, that was an unusual response. <laughs> So what's your beef with with the with the bottom half of this globe, Nish? I uh, I've just uh, I'm, I've got very caught up in the India Australia test series. Oh right, okay. I think I think I'm just feeling very loyal to the Northern Hemisphere <laughs> at the moment. Well, it's uh, yeah, touch touch and go the fire, the climactic final test coming up this week. Um, we'll have exclusive coverage on it in the next bugle, no doubt. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, Southern Hemisphere section, um, I mean, it is one of the world's great hemispheres for me. Uh, and coincidentally, I am off to the Southern Hemisphere uh, this uh, on Sunday um, to watch my career go the other way down the plug hole. Uh, <laughs> when, um, my, uh, Melbourne, <laughs> my, uh, 
by uh, Melbourne International Court. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that has uh, uh, written me off very quickly into this episode. <laughs> uh, comedy is truth, people. Um, <laughs> my Melbourne uh, International Comedy Festival show begins uh, on Thursday, as running till the 23rd of April. Live bugle shows on the 16th and 23rd. Lineups to be announced uh, on the days before the uh, performances. Uh, then Sydney, the 24th or the 27th, Auckland, 28th and 29th, finishing up in Wellington. On the 30th, that's a new date, and the 1st of May. So what a coincidence that the section in the bin should be <laughs> a Southern Hemisphere section. Uh, we look at the Tropic of Capricorn, the celebrity line around the Southern Hemisphere, marking, of course, the subsolar point of the December solstice. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that. Does it have a future in the internet age? What can the renowned latitudinal circle do to stay relevant for the YouTube and Snapchat generation? Will it have to move from its current 23.4 degrees south location and maybe try being a wiggly line instead of a straight one? With 33% of the world's land but only 11% of the world's people, we ask, is it time for the Southern Hemisphere to get its arse in gear and make itself more habitable? Why should Europe have to have so many more people than the Atacama Desert in Chile? Is that justice? <laughs> and we ask whether Richard Branson's proposed new southern continent of Virginica will help the <laughs> bottom half of the globe catch up with the top half in terms of number of Nobel laureates, world snooker champions produced and nuclear weapons owned. Plus, Antarctica, Schmantarctica. Is the South Pole continent a 1930s Nazi hoax? No, but if it were, would, it, would we have a sacred right and a moral duty to eat penguins alive and smear their fascist blood on our faces to make a point? You can't say stuff like that anymore because now Donald Trump is likely to tweet that Antarctica is a Nazi ice colony. <laughs> There's going to be a whole Reddit sub-forum created <laughs> off the back of that idle comment on a podcast. Right. Also, can I just say, Andy, yep. seeing you say the word Snapchat <laughs> was one of the most unusual sights. It was like seeing a dog play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Can I put that on my poster? <laughs> I think I'm just jealous because I'm not... This is my first year without a Southern Hemisphere visit. Right. Uh, Ever. So I think... Yeah, yeah, I'm a, yeah. Take my annual trip to the southern <laughs> hemisphere. No, I've been for the last couple of years to Melbourne and New Zealand. Right. And I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna miss it. You go lot. there to breed, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he flies south. And, anyway, <laughs> there's an out of a program about Nish. Uh, how how Nish Kumar's reproduced coming up on the, the Wildlife Channel. Uh, anyway, how do we get? Oh yeah, that section was in the bin. So all of this is relevant. Top story this week, terrorists are still c***s. Yes, that's... Well, we've had that confirmed for us here in London. Once again. Yes. But they cannot win, and I'll, this is proof that they cannot win, that on this week's Bugle, we have a brown man with a beard and someone from Kent. We, we, will, not, we will not change our way of life. And I'll leave you to guess which one is which. <laughs> Well, I, well, I, I'm a brown man with a beard who went to school in Kent, so oh, I'm, right, I'm right in the danger zone. <laughs> Surround this building now, <laughs> uh, Andy. There was another uh, terrorist attack this week, uh, which I'm sure buglers are all uh, aware of. Um, in the immediate sort of aftermath of the attack, there was a huge amount of speculation as to where this man was from and who he was. I'll tell you who he was. He was a complete. <laughs> <laughs> And I think everyone would just prefer it if every so often the 10 o'clock news started with Hugh Edwards saying, ladies and gentlemen, tonight a complete has done something 
completely It would be nice to have that level of, of honesty because it was described as an attack on our democracy, which is, I think, dignifying it with a purpose it simply does not deserve. And also, as attacks on democracy go, it was about as effective as throwing an egg at an oil tanker <laughs> in protest against the concept of things floating or tennis. Um, <laughs> it wasn't an attack on our values either as Londoners, as British people, as Europeans, as Northern Hemisphericals, as humans, or as sentient beings of the universe. It was simply, as you say, a being an idiotic, murderous for no other reason or purpose than that will be uh, as I believe the first draft of Theresa May's speech to the House <laughs> of Commons uh, said before she toned it down. It's uh, been an interesting choice for her to have Tarantino punch up some of her speeches. <laughs> uh, the man's name is Khalid Massoud. Uh, he's 52 years old and uh, at the moment reports are that he was uh, formerly known as Adrian Russell Ajao and born in Kent. Um, it does raise a very important question, Nish, and that is... Should the- we... Blow up, Kent. <laughs> well, I was thinking more. I mean, that's a you know a, a hostile, re- I and mean, that's really what the people called Adrian from Kent are wanting. That's the yeah. kind of reaction they want. I, I, I would ask, how can we stop as a nation? We have to look very seriously at how we stop people called Adrian from Kent coming to Britain. <laughs> I mean, it's. I know it might it might be provocative to suggest that, but someone is going to have to look that banana in the eye. Um, at the moment, uh, ISIS, uh, certain ISIS channels or cells are claiming responsibility for the attack. And at this point, I mean, it's f***ing easy being ISIS. <laughs> it's so f***ing easy. All you have to do is just kick back. Some nutcase does something absolutely insane. And you just go, yeah, that was us. And I've decided if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> I mean... Just to be clear, Public Security <laughs> Services listening, I mean that in a completely metaphorical sense and have no plans to join ISIS. <laughs> but I am now going to start claiming credit for other comedians' work. <laughs> I'm claiming credit for every single episode of The Bugle, even the ones that I wasn't in. I'm also claiming credit for John's HBO show, and I'm absolutely claiming credit for Seinfeld Series 1 to 7. <laughs> that was all me. Kumar out. <laughs> I'm also claiming credit for Monique's Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for Precious. That's me. <laughs> I did it. Um, I don't like ISIS. Um, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I mean, steady on, Zaltzman. Sorry. God. I'm just going to drop the mic on that one. Um, it's like being with Lenny Bruce himself. <laughs> I really uh, I really don't like them. Uh, I really... And I, I, cannot, I cannot understand this. They kind of, why, are they, why are they still doing this, Nish? It doesn't make sense to me. This is a completely pointless and unwinnable fight. At my, at my school, when we played inter-house rugby matches, sure. if you went 30-0... I'm colour me intrigued on where it. this is going. If, you, if your team went 30-0 down, yeah. then the referee stroke teacher would just end the game. Really? On the grounds that it was not a fair contest. ISIS on the current score, but I would say are losing by about 45,000 to 12. Yeah. <laughs> They've landed a couple of speculative drop goals, but in the grand scheme of things, they're... But just give up, surely. <laughs> I mean, what is the f***ing point? I don't, I don't know why anyone hasn't put it to them in those terms. Right. Well, like, I am putting it to them now. <laughs> and we know they're listening. I, they, 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 they know the email address for this show. Hello, Buglers. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Um. Salzburg taking the fight to ISIS <laughs> one email at a time. Yeah, anyway. Um... There's been some baffling reportage uh, from around the world, specifically America, on uh, 
events in London. Um, they've, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk that Londoners were lo- walking around looking confused, concerned, and upset. Uh, now, what I would say is, yes, that is true, but that is sort of how Londoners look. That's sort of just all, all, all the Londoners. The only time we have not looked confused, <laughs> up, so what was the other one? Confused, upset, upset and, and concerned. concerned. The only time that has not been the case was during the London Olympics. Yeah, that was the only time. Yeah, the that was absolutely time. the only time. The reason everyone looks depressed is because their rent is so high. <laughs> I mean, you'd walk around looking concerned too if you were paying £1,000 a month for a box room out the back of a kebab shop. <laughs> And also, the other thing is that as much as Londoners, uh, you know, are always very concerned about the constant threat of terrorism, that's something that we just live with, we are also more concerned about how we're going to get home of an evening. And if you really want to scare Londoners, terrorist attack are not the words to use. The words to use are rail replacement service. (laughs) That is really how you scare the people of the city. And I guarantee you that most of Londoners, when they saw that news, will have not thought, oh, my God, our city is under siege, they will have thought, let me go on the Transport for London website and see how I'm going to get home tonight. Um, Katie Hopkins, the... Uh, uh, oh, God. What, how did this... Not the journalist seems... Professional arsehole? Uh, OK, we'll go with that. The uh, <laughs> PA... Um, <laughs> she, uh, I never knew that's what it stood for. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, she... Um, uh, as is her wont, uh, squeeze some lemon into the uh, uh, the bleeding eyeball of this tragedy um, with a, a tweet saying, Sadiq Khan't, um, addressing the London Mayor Sadiq Khan, if you are penning some naff missive about a proud city standing together united by shared values, think again, son. Um, now, sure enough, Sadiq Khan did, shortly after that, uh, issue a message along those lines. Um, I mean, naff... Well, I mean, it's hard to be original in that. I mean, for example, I mean, Churchill with his hackneyed old we shall never surrender stick. Boring, Winston. Boring. <laughs> Heard it. I, I do not want originality. I'm happy with <laughs> naff and derivative exactly. in a message like that from a mayor or the prime minister. Or I, I was not thinking as a Londoner, right, I hope the mayor gets a bit creative on this one. <laughs> I want something wacky and off the wall, something completely unexpected, like a song about a duck playing tennis on the moon. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, that, that was a depressing aspect. Very dispiriting. Of it. Very dispiriting that Katie Hopkins and Nigel Farage saw a terrorist attack happen, saw people, certainly at that point, it was clearly established very quickly that people had died, and they did what any good patriot would do. They immediately gave an interview to Fox News. <laughs> That's what all patriots do, Andy. That's what Churchill would have done. Very few people know that the We Will Fight Them on the Beaches speech was originally an interview with Sean Hannity. <laughs> um, Tommy Robinson. Um, oh, and now he is a... <laughs> he's the ex-leader <laughs> of the shit-brained, far-right-headed, sold English Defence League. Um, he... That is their full title, yes. <laughs> he... Um... He hurried to the actual scene of the tragedy to uh, squirt his bile. Um, and uh, that's, I mean, that's an odd thing to do as well, isn't it? Yeah, very odd to see a terrorist incident and think... Oh, I'd better get there. Get the, get the flip cam. I'd better, I'd better get there and be a real... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Tommy Robinson, who has... Especially because there were so many incredible stories, stories coming out of people 
rushing in to help out with the attack, including Conservative MP Tobias Elwood, who performed CPR and worked hard to save the life of the police officer who unfortunately died. The fact that there were all these positive stories and in amongst all of that, you have to deal with Tommy Robinson and his own personal brand of arseholery running in, not to help, but to shout about immigration. <laughs> it's just f***ing ridiculous. As a Londoner, let me just say this. F*** you, ISIS. <laughs> f*** you, Katie Hopkins. And go f*** yourself, Toby Robinson, you enormous cunt. <laughs> to be fair, Katie Hopkins was accused in uh, one article I read of, of hating London. Um, I think that's a bit unfair. I think she just hates the universe. Yeah, I don't think yeah, we should exactly. single out London for yeah. It is baffling for people who bang on about how much they hate ISIS, given that we know one of the stated aims of that organisation slash repository for (laughs) is to drive a wedge between, you know, ordinary Muslims and the countries that they're living in. Why, if you hate ISIS so much, are you then directly contributing to that? And what I would say is, is Katie Hopkins in ISIS? (laughs) That is the question... We must now ask. Well, she has never explicitly denied it. Um, this is a Bugle exclusive. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, and also this idea that we were afraid, which I think was, uh, was it Fox said London is a city that's afraid, or words along that. We're not afraid in London. No. We were just pissed off, sad, and bored, frankly, of what I believe terrorism academics uh, call technically quotes, this kind of pointless shit. um, (laughs) Not scared. Uh, Some of the the media reporting uh, around this particular incident has not been ideal, I think it's fair to say. No. uh, Oddly voyeuristic from a lot of supposedly reputable sources. Yeah, and oddly voyeuristic and sometimes poorly researched. Because Channel 4 News had to issue an apology and a retraction uh, because they stated that the name of the attacker was a man called Abu Izzedine. Now, unfortunately, Abu Izzedine is currently in prison. <laughs> and therefore, sadly, unable to have carried out a major terrorist attack. The BBC News then uh, reported on a, a tube sign, uh, which sometimes uh, at tube stations, uh, the staff will write little motivational messages. Uh, and there was one uh, about uh, how the people of Britain won't be cowed by this. But it turned out to be fake uh, and turned out to be the result of uh, software that's available online uh, for you to just fake up one of these. But that still didn't stop it being reported on by the news and then discussed in the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> and just this morning, the Daily Mail has now blamed the whole thing on Google and apparently it's Google's fault and you know without wishing to stereotype that organisation I assume the inference of the whole piece is this never would have happened if we'd used good British search engines (laughs) there would be no terrorism if we all just asked Jeeves (laughs) I was in uh, I actually saw I actually came face to face with Nigel Farage because I have no idea why Fox News are talking to him. I don't know. There's American Buglers out there might be confused as to who Nigel Farage is. He's basically the leader of a party. He's basically the ex-leader of a party that has one seat in the House of Commons. Yeah. So why he is an authority on anything is absolutely beyond me. But I saw him going into the BBC, and I've never seen him before. And I didn't know how I would feel when I saw him. And I just got so angry. <laughs> and I was just looking at him thinking you you ruined my country (laughs) 
what the f*** are you doing at the BBC, right? And then I went Were in. Were you on air at the time? Well, yeah. <laughs> I went in and my friend was in there and I told him what had happened. And he said, you do realise that he was probably looking at you thinking exactly the same thing. <laughs> Fuck you. What the f*** are you doing here? You've ruined my f***ing country. Also, I was wearing a jumper uh, from, a, that's, uh, from an anthology of essays called The Good Immigrant. <laughs> so, all in all, I'm pretty sure it was exactly what Nigel Farage thinks goes on at the BBC. <laughs> And now, on the bugle, it is time for... The Trumpet. Nish, I'm finding it hard to keep up with uh, all the Trump-related events in America. Part, I think I'll reach saturation points about 30 seconds into the inauguration speech. And I managed to keep <laughs> topping it up for a few weeks. But I, 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 I have Was it the phrase, American carnage? <laughs> and you were just like, F- forget it. Um, <laughs> What's the point? Um... So the the whole wiretapping story, I'm yes, not, I'm not. I will admit, yeah. Even as a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, I've not been completely <laughs> all over, all over this. Um, Andy, you've learnt nothing from all of this time you spent watching modern journalism. <laughs> it's not about whether you know anything; it's about whether you can quickly say something and form an opinion without any facts. Well, I mean, I think that's that's a relevant point because to me, it doesn't actually matter whether or not Donald Trump was wiretapped. If he even thinks he might have been wiretapped, is that not enough? <laughs> no. But the point stands. <laughs> Actually, the point does not stand. But we live in a world of perceptions, Nish. And if someone as powerful as Donald Trump can think he's been wiretapped, that means that any of us can think we've been wiretapped. And that, that terrifies me to the core of my being. What if the FBI or the CIA or the MLB or the LBW <laughs> have been, or may have been, Potentially snooping on my private conversations with my wife about changing batting positions of wicketkeepers over the course of Test match history. You know, if they could be doing that, it could be any of you next, buglers, you idiots. Wake up if you want to be able to sleep at night. Yes, yeah, sheeple. <laughs> First Trump, then me. Next, any of you could be thinking you've been wiretapped. That is a horrific road to be going down. It is a bold decision to do. So many jokes about American politics that involve cricket references. <laughs> Just trying to build those bridges. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andy, the Trump presidency, uh, I, it, my feeling about the whole thing is Donald Trump becoming president of America is a bit like when George Clooney became Batman. Right. In that no one can really figure out how it happened. The whole thing has sort of turned into a cartoony mess and it inexplicably involves a huge amount of fighting with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> the Trump campaign is just lurching from scandal to scandal like a drunk man on his way home trying to find an open chicken shop. That joke, Buglers, may be based on personal experience from the author. Um, and so, yeah, this week we've got uh, more allegations of wiretapping, uh, more House Republicans coming forward and demanding that Trump substantiate the wiretapping allegations. More instances of Trump refusing to retract or substantiate the wiretapping allegations. Uh, And in the middle of all of this, Trump's uh, connections to Russia have come under more scrutiny. And like a painting of me by my friend's racist grandmother, nothing about it looks good. (laughs) 
Is that also based on personal experience? It may well be, Andrew. Do you have a picture of that painting that we could maybe share on the Bugle social media feed? No, but I suspect Buglers could probably knock one out. We may be inviting trouble. <laughs> Chris has just got a pained look on his face as the man who... Bring it on. <laughs> Everybody paint Nish, please. <laughs> First ISIS, now racist painting. <laughs> the Bugle's email address is about to take an absolute pounding this yeah, week. We're going to have to have another new one. <laughs> Still getting bloody dating site emails. It's the bu- how, how desperate are these farmers? <laughs> um, so the, the Russian allegations, um, all we know at the moment is the FBI have officially announced that they are investigating uh, Trump's connections to Russia um, and whether he may have had knowledge of Russian interference in the 2016 election, right? And um, there's sort of more, you know, more information coming out constantly about various people associated with the Trump campaign and the slightly spicy associations with Russia. Paul Manafort, who was Trump's campaign manager uh, until August 2016, uh, he actually left his job when a secret ledger was discovered, uh, suggesting that he'd received $12.7 million between 2007 and 2012 from Ukraine's former president, who's very pro-Russia. Um, and there's more evidence emerging this week that Manafort had been paid as recently as 2009 by a Russian oligarch to lobby on behalf of the Kremlin. It's not great, Andy. It's really, it's it's stacking up. Yes, that. That does that does not smell especially fragrant. It's <laughs> unless you particularly enjoy the, the smell of rotting borscht. Um, but the thing is, they're constantly saying that there's no actual, you know, so far there isn't actually any uh, evidence that's come out yeah. of connections between the Russian campaign. The only interesting thing I think is why do all of these people keep lying about it? Like Jeff Sessions, who under oath said that he had no contact, which turned out to be a complete lie. Either. There has been collusion between the Trump campaign or Russia, or all of Donald Trump's staff members are having affairs with Russian women. <laughs> it, 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 it can only be one of those two things. Could it be both? <laughs> I mean, both seems quite likely. I mean, I've got, I can't complain really because I've said before, um, certainly in I don't know if I've said it on this show. I've certainly said it in in stand up that I believe America, because it's the nation that shapes so much of the world that the only people who should be allowed to vote in American elections are people from anywhere other than the United States. <laughs> and maybe this was just some kind of trial scheme to let Russia have its rightful say before then rolling it out to the rest of the world in 2020. Let's look for the positives. Also, I'm not sure Trump is going to... There's a lot of talk about will, will Trump last until 2020. Sure. Um, it's looking increasingly unlikely. Uh, just because at his current rate... Of practice, Trump's golf will have improved to the level where he can join the PGA Tour <laughs> as a solid professional, ranked between 80 and 120 in the world, probably within six months. And surely he will jettison the pres- presidency at that point. Surely. I mean, he had, he had, he had more money as a jobbing tour pro, and he's all about the dollar. So. He might be about to impeach himself <laughs> to join the PGA. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, there's more bad news for Trump this week. Uh, his healthcare bill uh, currently looks about as unhealthy as low-income Americans will be if it gets passed <laughs> into law. 
it's not looking good. Um, it's not looking good for him. They've delayed the vote uh, as we record um, amidst allegations that he doesn't have the votes, even on the Republican side, uh, to get the bill passed. Um, and there was uh, we're also seeing uh, absolutely extraordinary pictures of a panel uh, of the optimistically named Freedom Caucus. <laughs> Uh, who are discussing reforms affecting pregnancy and maternity care. There are 25 people in that room. <laughs> Not a single woman. <laughs> Not mm. a single woman. The discussion over women's health care has turned out to be quite the sausage fest. <laughs> I'm looking at this picture, Andy. I'll be honest with you, in terms of the gender ratio, it's looking like pictures from my 16th birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I would say this a key difference, race-wise, very different demographic. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't understand the American healthcare debate fully because, well, uh, that's impossible for anyone who is not both A, American, and B, an omniscient deity with a high tolerance <laughs> for bullshit. But, and excuse me, American bugalists, if I've interpreted this wrong, but uh, this, if it passes, this could be the week when Trump frees the ordinary American to uh, needlessly die of curable diseases without the metropolitan elite and the fake news media trying to keep them artificially alive. That, <laughs> that seems to be what, what this is about, but yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, it's one in the eye for political correctness, <laughs> I think. That seems to be the terms of the debates being phrased in. We talked a bit about Geert uh, Wilders. Um, Indeed. Uh, last week. And, I mean, that's that is the kind of hair that usually ends up in a courtroom dock in The Hague, <laughs> denying everything. <laughs> but I can't really understand how you... I mean, he must do it himself, because I, I can't really imagine even someone like him... And I am out of the loop when it comes to hair. I'm not, I, will <laughs> I, don't, have, I don't think either of us are in the loop when it comes to hair, Andy. I, I've not paid for a haircut in a year beginning with two. So, <laughs> um, October 99, that was the last time. Um... What happened that made you not return to a hairdresser's? Uh, well, uh, there was uh, one occasion in which I asked my now wife whether she would uh, cut my hair for me. And This is your wife, the professional criminal barrister? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she, um, uh, she said yes. Um, and um, that was the most excited I've ever been when she answered yes to one of my questions. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and uh, so since then, she's she's uh, doubled up as my um, expert. That's why I've stayed right at the very cutting edge of uh, <laughs> coiffuring fashion. It is a sort of alarming trend, and it does suggest that people are sort of like Gert Wilders is going into hair salons and saying, "Listen, give me the full Eichmann." <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know how I can't. I mean, See, what would you like, Mr. Wilders? Uh, what's trendy at the moment? Well, you could go for a high fade with a loose pompadour or short up the sides with a crop fringe, maybe even a tapered fade with undercuts. Oh, I'm not really sure about any of them. Could you just uh, give me something that makes me look like I would quite happily commit genocide? <laughs> Certainly, sir. And would you like something for the weekend? Only if that something is an immigrant to blame. <laughs> Despite Mr. Wilders, the uh, Netherlands has come in sixth on the latest chart of the world's happiest nations. Um, oh, uh, God, yeah, I forgot that this had come out this week. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's, uh, well, it's got UK up four places to 19th. Ooh. Um, well, I mean... That's Brexit, isn't it? 
that's Brexit, or is it, I've started bugling? No, <laughs> it could be that. Well, um, a couple of things has happened. As I, I've said it once, and I'll say it again, where's my f***ing knighthood? Um, <laughs> we, um, I think the thing with Britain, we do yo-yo, yo-yo up and down in this. And that is the, because fundamentally, as a nation, we're only happy when we're miserable. Yeah. So every time we drop down the rankings, that makes us happier, and that pushes us back up the rankings. <laughs> and we don't like that, so we then slip down the rankings again. Our national mood is like a philosophical quandary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, America still doing all right, down one place to 14th, which is pretty impressive given the, <laughs> given the amount of strops that have. It does not reflect well on the 136 countries below them in the Canada seventh. Uh, um, Justin Trudeau's his, dreamy eyes. I mean, there's 155 countries listed in this year's rankings. Yeah. Syria, 152nd. Fourth last. Not. Not last. How is Syria? Wow. Not that does not say a lot for Tanzania, Burundi, and the Central African oh Republic. Oh God, that um, is rough. And Syria breaks up a uh, the traditional all African bottom nine. Um, dear Africa, oops, sorry, love Europe. Um, <laughs> so that, uh, is, that tragically is the closest thing <laughs> Africa has come to a genuine apology <laughs> from the from the from the, the West. The big movers. Uh, before we get to the uh, the exciting chart toppers, uh, the UAE up seven to twenty first, only Ooh. a couple of places behind uh, the UK. I'm guessing they might not have factored in all the slaves on the building sites <laughs> or one hundred percent of the traffic prostitutes. Um, Somalia, <laughs> yeah, you're right. They did not get a look in. But Somalia down seventeen to ninety three. How the fuck was Somalia in the top eighty last year? <laughs> Venezuela down 38 places to 82nd. Um, that's not looking good for Mr. Uh, Mr. Maduro. The top 10 in reverse order. Sweden in 10th. Austria, New Zealand, uh, two countries that in April will become significantly happier when I uh, go there to do my stand-up show. Uh, Details I, at andysalton.co.uk. Can I just also say yep. that in the year that they're talking about, I did stand-up shows in both Australia and New Zealand. Right. You're f***ing welcome, <laughs> Southern Hemisphere. Seventh Canada, sixth Netherlands, Finland. I did fifth. stand up in Canada as well. <laughs> what the f, mate? I'm f***ing nailing this. You have to organise a tour to the Central African Republic, Nish. You owe it to humanity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's time for me to bite the bullet <laughs> and head to the CAR. Switzerland uh, down one to fifth, um, but that might not be factoring in Roger Federer's sensational form this year. Oh, I don't know yes. when they measured it. Because yeah. you'd have thought Switzerland would be back on top after Federer uh, back oh, in, I mean, backing up his Australian uh, Australian and Indian, Indian Wells. Wells. Like I, if he keeps it going, I reckon Switzerland will be. Switzerland could turn into the sort of like yeah. Manchester United in the nineties of the happiness index. Yeah, they might. They might get so happy that they give some of the gold back. Um, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not go crazy here, Andy. They're so not they're that happy. Fourth, uh, Iceland third. Good You're welcome, going. Iceland. Glad that football match meant so much to you. <laughs> Denmark second and up three to first. Norway. Good work, Norway. I mean, it's a strong showing from uh, Scandinavia. and um, Scandinavia is really bringing the heat. Yeah, bringing a lot of happiness to the world. So what do all those countries have in common, those top ten? Uh, well, Kumar stand-up appearances. Apart from Nish Kumar <laughs> uh, appearing, you know, entertaining the masses. Um, well, they're all pretty well off. Sure. And also, they're all countries where basically nothing ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's a recipe for the world. Just less shit going on. Happier people. It did. Uh, 
I mean, first of all, with this thing, this is the World Happiness Report. And it's a, it's an official thing that's produced by the United Nations. So let's just get this out of the way. I think we can all agree, tremendous use of time and resources. <laughs> like, absolutely so pleased that the UN... I'm so glad there's nothing else of any significance happening in the world that the UN has time to devote a whole f***ing department to a World Happiness Report. North Korea not listed in the... Um... <laughs> That's because North Korea, it on... North Korea is the happiest country in the universe. <laughs> Evidently. Like, it's the happiest country that. in the known universe. But they said, apparently, with the, the, the grading, there was a, a big gap between the top four and the rest of the table, right. suggesting that the World Happiness Report is basically the Premier League. <laughs> and what we now need is for some Russian billionaire to invest heavily in somewhere like Burundi <laughs> and in a Manchester City style move completely upend the charts. Or what we need is a real sort of plucky outsider, you know, oh, like yeah. you sort of, you know, I don't know, like your Mozambiques <laughs> or your Uruguays just to surge back in like Leicester did last season. Right. What I'm saying is Burundi should look into electing Claudio Ranieri as president. <laughs> The UK breaking apart like uh, an artistically conflicted 1960s rock band now. <laughs> and um, I said last week we'd talk about the Scottish independence issue. It's been slightly superseded by uh, events in London on this show, as indeed... In fact, the Scottish Parliament was interrupted That's by... That's right, um, yeah, yeah. The debate was actually interrupted with the news and they they suspended the debate. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it could be... I'm just when you thought we'd had all the referendums we can stomach for a lifetime. Referendums... Could be but basically the situation is Theresa May is determinedly thelmering this country towards a stonking hard Brexit. <laughs> and Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon is now trying to Louise the UK towards Skexit. <laughs> Either way, we're stuck in the tied up in the back of a car <laughs> waiting for the impact. Um yeah, that's right. The UK has Brexited the EU and now it may be about to Brexit itself. Yeah, it's great news. They can- oh, yeah. Well, that's the idea. I mean, they cancel each other out from a Scottish point that's of view. That's right, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's absolutely great news for everyone who is a fan of pointlessly divisive referendums. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing is, I, I have a huge amount of sympathy for, uh, you know, regardless of what your feelings are, the SNP was elected on a platform saying we would have a second referendum if there was a major constitutional change. So yeah. I guess Brexit does qualify as that. But what's now going to happen is that Theresa May is about to go on a tour of Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland, where she's basically going to tell all of them that they need to think very carefully about making a decision like this because it could have serious economic ramifications. <laughs> so I assume this is going to be her pot calling the kettle black tour. Uh, yes, well, she did say, she explicitly warned Scotland that it would be ridiculous to leave their biggest trading partner. Um, and without collapsing in fits of hysterics um, and uh, a giggling for a week. It's quite impressive, that, in a lot of ways. Um, so now Scotland's being instructed to see how things pan out outside the EU, which they didn't want to be, before deciding again whether to leave the UK which they didn't want to do, and try to rejoin the EU that they didn't want to leave. It's, but, but be, and I think they'll just vote to transcendentally meditate until they exist on a higher plane of consciousness and can leave such earthly matters behind. I think that is the ultimate. 
goal now. <laughs> Sport now, or a possibly distressing lack of sports. Yeah. Um, uh, Durban, the South African city, has pulled out of hosting the 2022 Commonwealth Games <laughs> on the grounds that it, quotes, can't be asked to host a <laughs> pointless relic of empire that no one gives a shit. Sorry, I've read that wrong. Sorry, because it cannot justify the expenditure needed to host a prestigious international sporting event that keeps the historic umbilical bonds alive between the womb of Her Majesty herself and all the children of her soul. Um... So, I mean, this is, it raises questions for the huge, the future of the Commonwealth Games next Absolutely which... huge. To, the Commonwealth Games ought to give them their full title, the Dog Shit Olympics, <laughs> um, currently is homeless for its 2022 incarnation because Durban has sort of suddenly realised that it doesn't have uh, the capacity to spend the money it needs on the infrastructure to put the games on. So Liverpool and Birmingham have stepped into the breach. Right. They I mean, the, be... the surfing would be much less exciting than <laughs> Birmingham than Durban, wouldn't it? <laughs> Snap, snap. Um, I don't think surfing's in the Commonwealth Games. Uh, well, it's, it certainly is not going to be if it, it ends up in Birmingham. <laughs> no. um, Just be, they might have to put up a pool in the bull ring. But it got, this goes beyond the Commonwealth Games. It's obviously an event close to everyone's heart. Sure, um, yeah. The Olympics is also struggling to find host cities. There's only two left bidding for 2024. Wow. Paris and Los Angeles. Uh, so, in terms of opening ceremonies, we're looking at giant baguettes or more jetpacks. Oh, yeah. Because uh, 1985, and I've talked about this, I mean, this is before you're, well, you were born in, when were you born? 85. 85. Yeah. 84 Olympics. Guy in a jetpack flies through the stadium. Is, was that, is that real? Yeah. <laughs> Sensational. <laughs> the greatest moment in human civilization. Oh, Still no jetpacks. Andy, I'm going to have to immediately take issue right. with that. I'm going to go to another opening ceremony from a sporting event held in America and go, Diana Ross misses her penalty to start the USA 94 World Cup. Um, <laughs> she had one job. I think that was, I mean, Diana Ross was certainly more reflective of the human condition of inevitable failure rather than a man on a jetpack offering us a dream that could never be achieved. Two sides of the American dream. <laughs> Um. I mean, the whole concept of the Commonwealth is a little bit spicy. It's essentially people that we used to own that we're now forcing to hang out with us. And the Commonwealth could start to become incredibly important because some of the sort of Brexiteers chat is that the Commonwealth will look on us sort of favourably for trade deals once we've left the European Union. And that is a bold play. Right, everyone deserves a second chance. (laughs) We've changed. I was back. I still love you. It's not like we used complicated trade agreements to own you in the... Fo- oh, no, that is exactly what happened. I do apologise. Baseball now, and the head of the... Oh, oh I'm worried about this. Ahead of the new baseball season this year. Are you, are you a ball fan? Baseball no, I'm fan? not a ball fan. Right. I've, I've, I've yet to... It's to, to me, it's just posh rounders, Andy. Right. It'll yep. always just be posh rounders. But I do remember the last baseball section that I was privy to on The Bugle, so right. I am on tenterhooks. Okay, well, we're looking at some of the hotly tipped young stars bubbling under ahead of the new uh, season in the previously undiscovered quadruple A leagues, um, <laughs> including uh, one guy, if you're putting your fantasy teams together to look out for this year, uh, Bonzaline Melchelnico Flount. He will be <laughs> looking to impress at third place for the Bakersfield Baps. 
after being picked in the 125th and final round of the draft, he was in fact working as a cleaner in the draft venue when the Baps uh, saw him hit a profiterole through a window with a broomstick and thought, there's something to work on there. Uh, Hurdles McClopton, he of course hit 328 in the Supermax Prison League for the Jefferson Jailbirds. He's been paroled in the draft to the Fort Lauderdale Onions. Uh, De Piers Lurch dropped out of the uh, Boston Red Sox roster after being unable to overcome his fear of green monsters. He's signed up to swing sticks for the Anchorage Frosticles. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Pantuan, Gradic and Egregio Sanchez Dank, they'll both be donging the dingers for the Minnesota Buttocks. They've, of course, been formed by the recent merger of the two old Farmers Baseball League franchises, the Burnsville Butter Churners and the Maple Grove Mattocks. Um, whilst uh, first ever player in the, uh, ML- in the MLB system uh, from the Vatican City, uh, that's uh, Carthage Nilly. He's um, controversially quit as Underbishop of Miami to bash the ash this season with the, uh, with the Sac- Sarasota Scroats. And, uh, Dementius, what is happening? <laughs> Dementius Range, he's the poetry ris- whispering catcher who reckons that no one ever hits a home run when having the works of E.E. E. Cummins mumbled towards them. He'll be gloving the goose behind a mask for the new Irving Squelch franchise. And um, when you look at pitchers, uh, Nish, obviously one of the big names in quadruple A is Peculius Hammerdown Jones, picked up, picked up by the Chesapeake Bay Cheapskates after impressing with his throwing arm in the... Uh, USPFFL, that's the Professional Food Fighting League. Um, <laughs> but we have to wait and see. Is chucking a 95-mile-an-hour fastball into the strike zone the same as knocking someone's hat off with a well-aimed potato? <laughs> Time will tell. Juan Manchego, Irasib Wheel, big star in the Dominican Republic, back with the New York Forks, hit the headlines last year for pitching with a chicken leg sticking out of his mouth whenever a vegetarian hitter was at a plate. And um, big uh, big signing by the Waco Nightmares, the lefty pitcher Keitholomew Spladderson. Uh, <laughs> Renowned for his fast-slowing glob ball, uh, Splatterson, of course, struck out 3,000 in his only season in the short-lived Man vs. Hedgehog League a couple of years ago, in which uh, he, of course, won the uh, coveted uh, Golden Prickle. And uh, finally, relax, everyone, uh, Latrine Towers, um, he of the uh, uh, distinctive 1080-degree swivel as he pitches. He's back uh, after 18 months out suffering from dizziness, and uh, he'll be hurling down the hot stuff for the Tallahassee Blundernuts. So, um... Full exclusive coverage of the quadruple A leagues here only on the Bugle. <laughs> Just signed an exclusive 75 year deal to cover the action. <laughs> Andy, what? That was your apocalypse now. I'll tell you what that was, Nish. That was my message that the terrorists will not win. <laughs> you will never win. It has been a terrible week in London. Everyone's wondering whether it's going to affect. No way. People will carry on. Zoltzman will bullshit on. <laughs> Keep calm and bullshit on, Buglers. <laughs> Did you have to put the word Cummings and then in their ears so close <laughs> together? That was not intentional. If, I've got to use... I, the first draft had Coleridge. But anyway. <laughs> if somebody was only half listening, they certainly <laughs> weren't by the end of that. Thanks once again to Radiotopia for hosting us to listen to all of their other podcasts simultaneously at extreme volume. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Got a mutual plugging there. And um, uh, also thanks to the Knight Foundation and MailChimp very much. The uh, faces on the bugle Mount Rushmore. (laughs) 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 Could I say that? Um, uh, Nish, thanks thanks for joining us. Uh, No worries, Oz. I'll see you again in a few weeks. I'm off to Australia. as I may have mentioned. Yeah. So we're having a week off the Bugle next week. There will be uh, a supplementary Bugle episodes of classic bits that weren't good enough to get into 
the relaunch bugles. Oof. Too good. Too good. Sorry, to too good. In. Sorry, my mistake. Oof. If we're talking about stuff that didn't quite make the edit, that is where <laughs> Kumar shines. As <laughs> um, uh, absolutely, I, I'm like Bob Dylan. Like it's this, the stuff that I don't release is some of the most interesting stuff. <laughs> the um, like uh, like prisoners in China. Um, <laughs> Uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, uh, so well, there's a week off next week. Then in two weeks, uh, I'll be in Australia recording with uh, Mr. Tom Ballard, the latest addition to the Bugle stable. Um, uh, the week after that, I have Alice Fraser and Sammy Shah. Uh, as I said, there's the live Bugles on the 16th and 23rd. You can buy tickets for those on the internet and uh, lineups to be announced nearer the time. Nish, uh, I'll see you in May. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be back. Yep. I'll be doing what I normally do between bugles and going into a hibernation pod to keep myself <laughs> satirically sharp. What you usually do is go somewhere like Mongolia or, <laughs> or Bolivia. Well, where are you? Have you got any more? No, I've got, that, I've got no international travel. That show is right. done and will be uh, on TV fairly soon. Right. But I will uh, let buglers know. Buglers will be the first to know. And you can also hear you're doing a Radio yes, 4 show. Yes, you can listen to my Radio yeah. 4 show. The last episode is on uh, Wednesday. It's called Spotlight Tonight, and uh, all four episodes will be available on the BBC iPlayer radio. Please listen. I believe currently our listener statistics are exclusively my blood relatives. <laughs> so give it a listen, Buglers. Uh, thanks very much for listening, Buglers. Until next time, goodbye. Farewell. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.